Was that the what? first time where Jason, you had cut out, you oh, cut no. out a character? I was so shocked that Brimley was. It was he, he, he didn't say anything. And then he was <laughs> gone. Like after like the first, like. 30 seconds so i was like mm, we steamrolled over you come that's back, my man. fault but how what but the great thing is today it doesn't matter we can redeem it all you're gonna kill yourself bringing wilford brimley into the picture if God's the sake. heaven phone rings i will not leave it ringing it yeah, will be answered you don't do heaven phone two weeks in a row. There's no, there's no good. Um, you do, Dan, Dan um, you do not. I mean, if we know anything, you, that's, you should know that, but you're a professor. You do not you go back do heaven phone twice in you a row. Toggle. You got to go, is it a time phone? Is it a regular phone? Is it your As John Gilgood said on the preface to the Stanislavski system by Sonia Moore, you do not do heaven phone two weeks in a row. <laughs> you do not do heaven phone twice in a row. Booby. Coming soon. This summer. At theaters everywhere. Opening weekend. Read it R. Welcome to episode 92 of Opening Weekend. I'm Jason O'Connell, and I am once again joined by my dear friends, Fred Berman and Dan Matisa. And this week, we revisit one of our favorite movie years, 1984, and the releases of March 9th. Ron Howard's Splash, starring Tom Hanks, Daryl Hannah, and John Candy. Children of the Corn, starring one of the guys from 30-something, the lady from The Terminator, and Malachi from Children of the Corn. And The Hotel New Hampshire, a movie I can't believe I sat through starring Rob Lowe and Jodie Foster as siblings who fuck each other. <laughs> but before we get soaked with salt water, blood, and family fluids, respectively, where were we all in March of 1984? I believe I was in sixth grade. I Mr. believe it. Gebick's class. Can you believe it? I've talked about Mr. Gebick's class before. Yeah. He was the big fan of my Road Warrior costume. I you weren't think, in seventh yet? You weren't in seventh grade I, yet? No, I was in seventh. No, because March, I have a July birthday. So for once, oh my God, for once, my math is correct and Dan's is not. Very yeah, good. The first Very time good. this has ever happened. Yep. Yeah, I was in sixth grade and I think, I, I don't know, I was trying, you know, we've been back to this year quite a bit and trying to find specifics. I was like, I don't know, is this the week that I, you know, pooped and... <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to think it's something specific. I probably I know, it's hard. As you guys know, there were times when there were weeks that I did not poop. Okay, yeah, now day. let's go, let's d dive in because that's the first thing I thought of. <laughs> there, didn't you not poop for like a year? Yeah, right? <laughs> for Tell a like year. a month. Tell the story immediately. And no, your father was no, like, no, have no. some prune juice, have some prunes. Yes, you're right. Have it was some juice of prune. He was juicing was like prunes a in, a, in, a, in a blender for you it was and much, nothing. Yeah, it was much later. I don't know. You know what? Later? It was much later? later than seventh grade. <laughs> yeah, it was in high school. But I think it was. You, you know what? I think high school. I think this story has got stretched out because in my, this, this happens a lot. Your story's got stretched out. I find that hard to believe. <laughs> I remember it being a really long time. Yes, there there was a time where I thought it was when my parents went away. This is when I was in high school and I had this big party and where I, there was a long time that I went without a proper BM, as the kids call it these days. <laughs> and in my head, it always seemed like it was a month. 
And I, I seem to remember Jason being like, that's impossible. You would die. You would, yeah, you'd be you're dead. going to yeah. septic shock. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You told me this when we were in the apartment in Woodside and I was yeah. like, Fred, it's not possible. You drop dead. You can't. Yeah. It, not it, miss, so it may have just been a week. It was, it was much longer than it should have been. But in my head, yes. I think because I was so scared. I, I, you know, of what, like what I had done to myself, like, oh my God, did I completely, like back then I remember just thinking, I'm, I think I'm fucked. Like, I think I've held this in for <laughs> so long. I was really, really worried. I don't what? think you could go a week though. I don't even think you go. Uh, no, go I think th- that, I think it was, it definitely <laughs> was. There's it, a will, there's a way. There's <laughs> a will, there's a way. Yeah. And it was, and I just, you know, we look, we're getting off the subject. This has nothing to do with sixth grade yeah. or, or the movies, or maybe it does. I don't know. <laughs> it, it might. You know, my family, we didn't talk about bathroom issues. You know, like Kate was shocked when we first got together, you know, like the, I was like, you know, we, she's like, did you, did you, did you have to go to the bathroom? I was like, well, what are you talking about? We don't, we don't talk about that. That's my business. Don't worry about it. It just never came up. It was not discussed in the Berman household. So I think there was almost like a shame behind it. It was a weird thing. So my parents were away and we had someone staying with us. I don't know what it was, but whatever uh-huh. it was, I was like, no, I, 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 don't want to go to the bathroom. I'm going to hold it in. <laughs> and I just kept doing wow. that. I just had wow. other things to do. I would, there were, I, there were things to do. You were a busy and, man. Yeah. And, uh, and then, yeah. yeah if after, you had like a babysit, well, I mean, you're in high school, but if you had like somebody like in the house that you were not comfortable with and you're like, maybe, maybe that's what was it. until they go to the store. Yeah. I'll wait until they do. <laughs> and they never left. And whenever you had to go, they're there being like, Jeopardy's on. And you're like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> the answer is, Yes, finally, when my parents did get back, I I remember confessing to them, and it was such a big thing to talk to my parents about it. I said, you know, hey, here's the deal, and they and they were like, okay, you should have some prune juice, and then it, you know, and then when it did happen, it was I was terrified. I literally thought I was. I was so scared that this is going to be the worst. Like, I'm going to have to go to the hospital. And it was just, boink, just boom, just happened. It was fine. What a stupid son of a bitch. And I remember that was also a moment where I thought, oh, maybe I do believe in God. Because I was praying to God so hard, like, please, please, please let me survive. Please wow. let me get through this. Yeah. Wow. That was wow. your epiphany. Wow. That was your my epiphany. Your epiphany. My epiphany. You, you won the contest. I'll give you new ground to cover, gentlemen. Uh-oh. It's Christmas time. There's no need to be afraid. In March. No. That's when they're recording it. There's a light and the house of shade. Oh, yeah, and you're right. With a hee-hee-ha-ha-hoo. And your arms around your ass. A Christmas That's not the goddess love. Yeah, that would that would make sense because it because my bar mitzvah when I was the beginning of eighth grade, that's no, because we sang We Are the World at my bar mitzvah because We Are the World was huge going into that. So was We Are the World first? No, 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 no. no, no, no. Band Aid came. Yeah. Do they know it's Christmas was first? Uh, And I. I frankly think that's the better song. I love that song. I think it's a I think great it's a recording. I think it's a great song. song. I know that now it's like people have problems with some of the lyrics that the, particularly the one that I just, you know, tried to sing the Bono lyric, but, uh, what was they, the Bono lyric? I didn't, 
tonight, thank God it's them instead of you. People are saying now, ah, that's, you know, that's, that's crash, crash, that's crass. Um, but it's a cynical take. It's, it's the, you're getting right, your mind exactly. of, you're playing exactly. the character of the cynic in that yes. moment. People don't understand. Or, or um, the way all people are, which is like, oh, thank God I'm not in that situation. That's exactly. literally what he's saying. Right. And Bono plays it well. The bigger problem is there won't be snow in Africa this Christmas time. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Guess what? It doesn't snow a lot in Africa. Do they know it's Christmas time? They also don't celebrate Christmas. There's more problematic lyrics. Jason, that was always my tip. Even then it was my tip. No, they don't know it's Christmas because they don't don't celebrate. celebrate Many cultures in Africa do not celebrate that holiday. So, of course, they don't know it's Christmas. Why are you even asking the question, do they know it's Christmas? The answer is no. You insensitive asshole. Now, listen, it, it was good. It was no, it was no hearing aid though. Do you oh, want me to sing stars now? Stars. Sorry. Why, nobody. nobody <laughs> got to get that in. Like every that. every four or five episodes. You get it in more often than that, and that's <laughs> what my first wife said. No, I. Uh, <laughs> but hearing aid was or was not a benefit for people who were had hearing loss. No, hearing aid was, was the was heavy metal. metal. We've discussed metal this. Version. People so I, people who have been listening to our podcast for a while are so sick of this. Oh, for fuck's sake. What do I remember about this time? Listening to the radio constantly. Oh, yeah. Constantly. Like hooked up to it. But because I, I, I'm like a real freak show, and I probably have said this before. I didn't start listening to like top 40 radio like until now like i really had like when i was a younger kid i didn't didn't listen to the radio much we were with my grandparents a lot Mm -hmm. then when they put on the radio they put on like the oldies station which was like stuff from the 40s and 50s and you know when we were with my mom, she was playing hipper stuff and, you know, and she had, she, she had a big album collection. And when we were in the car with her, but we were with my grandparents a lot and it just, I just didn't, I wasn't like a, t- uh, clearly I'm the kid who brought the gambler in, you know, uh, on an eight track for like a school project. I didn't know what the fuck was playing on the radio. And then this year, seventh grade, I was like, I'm making it my business to know what's going on and to listen. To and I did. And I started, I was like, Oh, this is great. Oh. And so, you know, and eclectic hey, and fun. I feel like such an, well, I feel like such an old man now. Now I listen to the radio. I'm like, every song sounds the same, but you know, yeah. in 1984, it's like Cindy Lauper and Prince and Michael Jackson and Bruce Springsteen and yeah. Elton John all at the, like back to back to back on the top 40. I was like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. just yeah. wildly different stylistically and their voice. It's just so great. And I just I was like. Yeah, I was all in. And the songs that I remember, the songs that like te- are like, must have been like the first night that I was like, I'm listening to the radio. It was like 99 Luftballoons. That yes. was here. I was like, I was like what is going on? Nina. Who is, why is this in German? What's happening? This is American radio? What are you talking about? Then there was Against All Odds, Phil Collins. Yep. That was like, oh, you know, you would, have, to me. you would have thought that was a movie to go see based on that. The song was so yes. popular yeah. and the movie was so nothing. Yeah. 
guess that's I guess that's why they call it the blues, right? Yeah, that yes. was, that's I, a great I, song. Right? Huge it's a song. great song. I love that song. But I remember like as a kid, like it's like one of my earliest memories of getting in touch with like pop, pop culture radio. Was where that I was like, song? what is he saying? What is he saying? I really thought the lyric was rolling like Fonda under the covers, <laughs> like Jane Fonda. Yeah, I was that so makes sure. sense. I was like, uh, it kinda, you could hear it, right? Oh, but yeah. I always not, went to Peter not. Fonda whenever I heard that lyric. I was like, well, whatever. I thought it was fucking like some member of the Fonda family. It's probably because I was obsessed with Jane Fonda's workout. So I was like, really, I was like, oh man, you know, you could pop that in. That's a very innocent way to masturbate yourself into oblivion. Be like, oh, it's just, I'm just. Or without a bear costume. Well, now, wait a minute. I'm not ready to segue yet. We have something to talk about. What do we have to talk about? Wrestling? Now, you mentioned, (laughs) yes. Now, you mentioned a couple of things. First of all. Your mom's yeah. al- your mom's album collections. I have a feeling. Yes. I have a sneaking suspicion that your mom and my mom had many of the same kinds of oh, albums, yeah. and probably your parents too, Fred. Here's my mom's album collection. Okay, Kenny Rogers, everything and anything, anything and everything all at once. Kenny Rogers, all of them, lady, <laughs> you know everything. Uh, that was my uh, dad had that stuff. My mom, not, not the sticks version, the other one, Fred. I saw the oh, face. Oh, like I, I got excited about. Which was written by the great Lionel Richie. Oh, that makes sense. They had, mm-hmm. she had a lot of Elvis, a lot of Elvis, um, mm-hmm. Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass, which <laughs> talk about masturbating yourself into oblivion. The album cover <laughs> with the woman who's covered in whipped cream. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I didn't yes, know yes. what yes. planet I was of on course. when I saw that thing. I saw that <laughs> in the course. album collection. I went, <laughs> I was like, what is, what is happening to me below 14th Street? <laughs> and then I, and then there was a lot of Barry Manilow. Your mom had Barry Manilow? I don't think, oh, maybe she had Barry Manilow. She, I remember she had Bette Midler. She had Barbara Streisand. Oh, she oh had, your, mom, had, your mother was much She had more. American Pie. She had- uh, Oh, uh, boy, I hate that. She, I hate that. Well, she had that album. She had, uh, uh, yeah, no, she had, she had Billy Joel. She had- Okay, your mom was much more in this century than my <laughs> mother. And uh, my mother had- uh, I don't know. Engelbert Humperdinck. Yeah, no, my mom didn't have that. It was like a little in-between spot, because that was like in-between what my grandparents were listening to and what yes. my mom was listening to. It was right in-between somehow. Yeah, I know what you and mean. And did your dad. parents have those same kinds of albums, Fred? No, your nope. dad was a real cool musician. Albums. Yeah, you my dad needed to have... stuff. No, he needed to have... You know, we had tons of 45s, because I've mentioned this before, you know, he was a band leader, so he had to learn songs you know what were what the popular songs were so they could play at the parties so it was of always course, you know you couldn't just go on sense. spotify and and you know stream it you had to go out and get the 40s so we had 45s everywhere but no i remember like one of the first albums i remember listening to you know other than like you know the star wars soundtrack or grease but i remember me and my sister going down to the basement with my parents and listening grease, to billy joel's yes. glass houses and just mm-hmm. over and over again and loving it and loving it and loving it and thinking the yes. song um, don't ask me why was the funniest song in the world because it, it sort of had like a Spanish tinge to it and we'd put yeah, on these yeah. we'd put on these hats um, these little like newsboy hats and dance around to it we just thought like it was the silliest song yesterday you were an only child now your ghosts have gone away 
Mm-hmm. But no, there was, you know, it, it, my dad had a, a ton of jazz albums down there. I mean, and this, some of the stuff that you're mentioning as well that was there, but it was pretty yeah. eclectic. Yeah. But you mentioned Springsteen. Yeah. And uh, when he dropped, I kind of went, now I feel utterly differently now. I kind of went, yeah. Yeah, that's a big, you know, yeah, born in the, yeah, he was born in the USA. Yeah, Dancing in the Dark. Yeah. yeah. So Dancing in the Dark came out first. Was that the first single before Born in the USA? I think so. so I think it I was. was like, think, okay, well, so that he had was, already come out with, uh, with um, what was the release from the previous album? It was a big, big hit. It was- um, From the River? The River known, was, was Yes, from the River. Born. Yes, yes, yes. It is from the River. Um, it is uh, Hungry Heart. Hungry Heart, um, right? Yes. Yeah. So I knew heart was oh, we massive. Sing, yes, because we used to sing. Everybody's got a hungry heart. Misses one of yeah. our teachers laid a big fat fart. We <laughs> sing that all the time. But my point is, I couldn't wrap my head around that the guy in the dancing the dark video, who's always like, who's very clean cut, and sort of had. You know, not a super, like a clearer voice was the same guy who's in the Born in the USA video who's all fucking scruffy and was like, that didn't make sense. Just in the same way that when when, when David Bowie's Let's Dance came out, I remember thinking that was the worst song I'd ever heard in my life and being like, this person, I don't know who, I remember thinking like, I don't know who this David Bowie upstart is, this new (laughs) musician on the scene, but they can't fucking sing. And this is ridiculous. They can't write lyrics. Like, I don't know who this person is, but they need to get out. And then I remember being in my dad's car in his Cadillac and the second single off that album, uh, Modern Love came on. And I'm like, Oh, I really like this song. My dad's like, yeah, it's David Bowie. And I remember going, Dad, this is not David Bowie. David uh, Bowie's that guy who cannot <laughs> sing. This is not. This guy has a voice. Like I couldn't comprehend yep. that. That one. These musicians predated us. You know right, that right. I'm, like in seventh grade when I discovered By Led Zeppelin and I'm, and I'm like, oh my By god, there's this time. band called Led Zeppelin and people are like, yeah, they've been around for a while. Yes, but right. like that these people had been around a lot, but they were just they were really breaking through because of MTV visually. Absolutely, but also that they had this range where they could you know do different things with their voices. That was that was sort of mind-blowing to me at the time. In the same sense as being raped by Natasha Kinski in a bear suit would be. Oh, for the love, for the love of Hotel New Hampshire. Orion Pictures invites you to spend the time of your life at the Hotel New Hampshire, where everything happens that could happen between a man and a woman, a boy and a girl, and a bear. Brady and John are out here fooling around with each other again. They're perverts. We are the big friends. Everyone has fun at the Hotel New Hampshire. Some say the first time you go there is the best. Why? It's the first time. It's the one that sticks with you forever. Others prefer the second time. Oh, no, not the Based on the novel by John Irving, director Tony Richardson's perhaps too faithful film adaptation follows the exploits of the eccentric hotel operating Barry family, played by everyone. 
Tragedy befalls them time and time again at seemingly regularly scheduled intervals. Quirkiness abounds, but without the benefit of humor. And the entire enterprise feels like a cautionary tale about turning books into films. There's a sister who may or may not be a dwarf, who becomes a famous writer who kills herself. There's a mother who has nothing to do in the film but get blown up on a plane. There's a grandfather, played by Wilford Brimley, who dies doing what Wilford Brimley is best known for exercising too hard. There's a family dog named Sorrow who is euthanized, then stuffed, then finally used as a decomposing metaphor for the human condition on no fewer than three occasions. There's a gay brother, a blind Beau Bridges, a briefly alive Seth Green, a version of Freud played by Wallace Shawn, Natasha Kinski in a bear suit, who is either supposed to be a real bear, a metaphorical bear, a lesbian in a bear suit, or Natasha Kinski, and the emotional center of the film, Rob Lowe and Jodie Foster as siblings who are madly in love with each other and who, after threatening to commit incest the entire movie, finally commit incest many, many times over in a comedy routine that would have been rejected by Benny Hill as too crass. The Hotel New Hampshire is hated by me, tolerated by others, and represents without a doubt the longest hour and 48 minutes of my life. The film took in just over $1 million over its opening weekend and ended its box office run with just $5.1 million, which, weighed against its $7.5 million budget, marked it as one of 1984's biggest commercial failures. Fred and Dan, what do you guys think of the Hotel New Hampshire? This was the most, uh, I'm going to say this was the most uh, 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 opinion-filled intro uh, you've ever done. You, sometimes Absolutely. your intros there. give it's away a little bit of how you're feeling about the movie, but this oh, one. I, I hated this more than anything well, you talk, except you maybe talk first. nothing but trouble. Which, which I'm surprised and at, and I'll tell you why in a little bit. Oof, I can't believe there was nothing to enjoy. Good actors, good actors. Yeah. And it has, it starts and you think, oh, this is quirkiness a la Wes Anderson. That's, who I love. Yes. Very this is Wes, Wes Anderson, Anderson movie. Yeah. This is a it's, Wes Anderson movie without the Wes Anderson precision. Without the precision, without humor. I, I did not, it was very bizarre and, and labored and, and. I'm sorry. I, there, there is nothing. The incest is the, the incest stuff not earned. The, the, the many examples of rape and the aftermath of rape not earned. Not they, they, they Jodie Foster is getting brutally raped, and then this, this music comes in that you can tell in post production. Somebody was like, "This is the most awkward thing I ever put on film. Let's put this like treacly, like overdone string music behind the, you know, the the young man." rescuing her this shit about like sorrow floats too sorrow this too <gasps> my dog's named sorrow so now i can say things like sorrow this and sorrow that it's like it was it's like a baby saw a wes anderson movie and was like i want to make a movie like wes anderson so this is somebody went in a time machine to when wes anderson was making movies and then went back to 1984 and says i've got the formula and i'm going to do the wes An first wes anderson movie and it's just shit from beginning <laughs> to end. I could not stand this movie. Oh, it was so, it was so clever and creative. It was like, oh, look at this. Oh, isn't this odd? Oh, how odd. Oh, look at this bear costume. Oh, oh, how odd. Oh, look at this beautiful woman inside the bear costume. And let's talk about the bear, the metaphor of the bear. I'm not Holy saying I disagree shit. with you. But Terrible. how was that? I'm not saying that I disagree with you because I, I very I, I, I was all over the spectrum on this one. And, I, and I'm, I'm back and forth. As, but, as, but, was I. But, as was I. But other than 
how he films his movies. Honestly, in terms of the characters and some of the the, the quirkiness and the, the sharp left turns, and I'm asking this honestly, I'm not as, not yeah. as like a, you know as, as a confrontational rebuttal, but how is it different than a Wes Anderson movie? Because that's what I kept thinking. Wes Anderson, again, how he films his movies is more of like we always talk about that bifurcated, you know, how he actually films them and how they're edited in the color and the color palettes. Mm. To me, I'm watching this and I'm going, I don't know. This this is reminding me of watching The French Dispatcher in many ways, mm. uh, 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 the Grand Budapest Hotel or even the Royal Tenenbaum, just in terms of that, that sort of there's an elevated language to it. Uh, these characters that just sort of suddenly they're in Venice and there's these there are these revolutionaries and some like mm-hmm. it seemed all very much at home. I could see Wes Anderson doing all of this, but they would say and it would be oh, one of his weaker movies. Maybe but that's done, what I'm and asking. He would do it why? ten times better. So what 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 is what do you feel is missing? Because to, again, I kept thinking this is Wes Anderson, but but not Heart, as humor, enjoyable. Characters, I, I I can't identify with any of the. Everything's a cardboard cutout, and I don't mm. think Wes. I think what the knock on Wes Anderson is that that's what he's giving us is cardboard cutouts or a diorama. That's not what he's actually giving us. I the, the my heart breaks for the characters in Wes Anderson's movies. Mm. Even though there is a, a very a, a very thick style that, right. that you know that that overlays yeah, okay. his characters, there's nobody in this movie that compares to Gene Hackman as Royal Tenenbaum or Bill Murray as uh, as as Bloom, Mister Bloom, I, or or any number of the characters. I don't see I don't see any of that. Now, again, if this came out after, if this was a more recent film, I'd be even angrier because I would think they're aping a style and Mm. doing a poor job of it. Absolutely. But to me, it's just, to me, what it is, is that, and I don't know the book, but I know we had, you know, we talked about Simon Birch and we've talked about, you you guys have, I guess, seen World According to Garp and, and, and I know the, the, it, it made me happy as I was watching it. I was like, oh, you know what? They were trying to do this for years, and I'm so glad now, in retrospect, that they never made a movie of Confederacy of Dunces because it it runs the danger of turning out like this. It's very hard to take mm. novels like this with these sprawling narratives and all these different quirky characters and make a two-hour movie out of it. It's very, very difficult unless you have, like Dan likes to say, a point of view and you hone it down and you kind of – and you – you have to be selective. A movie is not a book. And, and whenever, even when it comes to fucking Harry Potter, when they're too literal and too faithful to like, we have to have every scene and every moment in the movie, the right. movies are waterlogged. They're this just is apparently too- the most faithful from what I never, I'd read Owen Meany and I'd read Ooh, that's Garp. I was going to ask if you'd yeah. read this one, Fredo. I never read, read this one. And th- that's, that's John Irving's thing. They're very sprawling. They all yeah. like, there's always something to do with Vienna and a bear somehow comes in there. Mm-hmm. Um, really? and is that, is, that's in all his films? Yeah. There's like little or things. His, which, his books rather. Sorry. Yeah. There's little mentions of them and like, which I didn't really remember until afterwards reading about, I was like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, they, they, you know, they're sprawling in terms of, you know, they'll go on for decades and, uh, there's a lot of time covered, but I never read this one, but I, so I can't compare it, but what I did read about it afterwards is that this is the most, fa- Simon Birch goes off the rails from Owen Meany, as we, we discussed, uh, Garp, I liked the movie of Garp. I have very fond memories of it. Um, and, it is different from the, I enjoyed the book too. There, it definitely, 
goes off in different directions. This, from what I read, is like incredibly faithful. And I actually read somewhere that one of the reasons that there's those scenes where it's sped up, where it's like a Marx Brothers scene, is because the director wanted to like get as much as he from the page onto film as he could. So he's like, all right, let's just move things along. So that might be the problem, Jason, that it's so faithful to a fault. Well, like I said, you know, when I said when I said in the intro, like tragedy befalls them at very regular, like you could time like every 10 minutes somebody dies or something. It's like you don't there is no ebb and flow to the movie. There's no pacing to it. It's just like there's so much crammed in there, whether what's crammed in there is any good to begin with or whether they could have explained certain things. I, I think. I think there's a chance that the material might defy successful film adaptation, but probably not. Maybe. There's a way to adapt anything. You know what I mean? Like, but I, but it's, I, I it's don't think weird. this is. It's definitely, this is the, I, I don't, I didn't hate it. I'll tell you, when it first started, I was bemused and then I, it was not what I expected at all. And then I was like, this is terrible. I don't like this at all. <laughs> and then as it went on, I started to, I, I ended up enjoying it. I felt, I, 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 it's the weirdest movie by far, I think, that we've watched on this podcast. And yeah. it was not what I was expecting at all. No, I remember when either. it came out and I remember this movie always has a, a, I was even before we started recording today, I was trying to figure out what it was because I remember seeing the ads for this movie. I remember watching the at the movies where they talked about it. And mm. there was always this connotation with this movie. Like it was I can't think of the proper word, but it just seemed very it, it for lack of a better term, it was like adult. This was an adult movie. There was something strange about it even then i knew rob Lowe from the outsiders uh you know and i knew there was there was something about it that i was supposed to be interested in but no it, i had to keep it at arm's length and i think i remember knowing that they were siblings and that they might have been in love there was something weird about it but it was one of these movies that i thought i i can look but i can't touch you know, it looks like something that might be appealing to me, but I know I'm not supposed to watch it. And I never saw it. And it was, I was so, I was really excited to check it out and be like, what is this all about? And right from the start thinking, oh, okay, this is very John Irving, just with the language. And, and then it immediately went in a direction. I'm like, wait, what the, what is going on? They're in Vienna. <laughs> There's a bear. Wallace Shawn is Freud. And I thought, <laughs> I don't know what's happening. This is not at all what I was expecting. And then, then it, it just took all these turns. And in the beginning half, yeah, that, that the rape scene was very, really uncomfortable. And I, and yeah. it just, it was going places in the beginning where I just thought, I don't know. I don't think this is good filmmaking with the, with the, the, this, you know, it's speeding up and Matthew Modine with, with the jock strap and, and just, just oh, yeah, way, some things, stupid little things, way things were like, shot. I just, I was like, I don't think I moments. like this at all. And then it took a turn and I thought, okay, this is weird. And it's, it's, this is theater of the absurd. Yes. And it's there like, you go, Fred. It's, That's it's where like, I went with it's it. like early stop art and, and yeah. like John Guare and yep, yep, at times yep, it was like yep. a Marx Brothers movie. And yes. I thought, okay, this is, a, you know, very early on, I thought this is a Wes Anderson movie. 
that, that's exactly what this is. Yeah. And I'm just going to go with it. And I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I, I you're right, you're absolutely right, Jason. There's yeah, no I don't no, know what I the just heart didn't like was. There is I I liked Rob Lowe. I liked all the performances. Yeah. There wasn't a heart to it where I no. there was never a moment where I really felt for anyone. Like I wasn't I was when the plane you know when the the mother and little Seth Green died. <laughs> well, we, we went. I was shocked. Yeah. I literally I stopped oh, yeah. and I rewound. I went back. I'm like, wait, did I miss something? <laughs> right. It happened so quickly. What is going on? Yeah. Yeah. And he says that in the narration. He's like, I can't remember what it was. It's like, what happened happened quickly. And then yes, they just yeah. moved on from it. And then boom. And these shifts in tone and where they are were so quick. So it's I was also never- very jarring. A, a, a person would die and the, you know, the grandfather dies. And then and it seems like it's Christmas morning that he we, dies. Yeah. And then they're like opening presents and singing songs. I think it's supposed to be New Year's, which is a week later, but that's one week, week. after yeah. the grandfather dies on Christmas. Yeah, they're yeah. like, Happy New Year, like nothing happened. I like I don't the the tone is jarring. The yeah. the dire- the actors have not been directed to, to be human beings in a, in a linear fact. I mean, you know, in the event, it's very jarring. You keep thinking I've missed something. We, we watched it and I had very much the same reaction. I kind of went, Oh, Oh my God. Oh, that's what this movie is. Wait a minute. I thought it was a wacky (laughs) farce. I thought it was going to be whack because, because Taylor's like, okay, what is, what are we uh, strapping ourselves in for here? And I said, I don't remember much about it, but I think it was, I think it's a wacky like door slam and farce. As I recall, Mm -hmm. I never saw it before. And then, we we looked at the little you know synopsis and who's in it and she was like oh rob young rob Lowe and jody foster and bo bridges who i like yeah i'm in i'm watching this with you and i went mm-hmm. okay and we watched the whole thing from beginning to end together and um we had very much the same reaction of like whoa what is whoa this is an incest movie this is oh my gosh there's a a uh you know a um a rape depicted very, very early on and not just a rape, but a gang rape gang depicted bang, early yeah. on. And then the consequences of that are, are murky at best. And then and then you're right, Fred. And then it kind of took a turn uh, toward where it's headed. And I went, OK, well, where is this? Where is this headed? Is this all stylistic? Is the sped up stuff going to come back or is it a one shot deal? Is this, you know, what's the director doing here? You know, it did feel absolutely, Jason, like they're trying to condense a 400 page, 500 page novel into 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 two hours and change and just everything is smashed in there. But I I I did go, okay. Uh, by the end, I went. All right. What's the sum total of this thing? No, mm-hmm. it did not move me. No, I was not like, you know, um, uh, caught up in the heart and soul of the character's journeys in the way that I would with the Wes Anderson movie. And that's the movie's true weakness. You guys both nailed it. But as far as an absurdist fantasy of what would be if if, if Stoppard or Pinter or Beckett read, you know, uh, uh, Freud's the id and the ego or the um, uh, psychoanalysis or any of the or interpretation of dreams or any of the Freud books and went, OK, how can I how can I make this? How can I make each one of these things a symbol? Everything is a symbol in this. Everything yeah. is a symbol in this uh, or a character, one or the other. How can I make this into how can I make everything Freud ever said into a character or a symbol and <laughs> mm-hmm. throw it all into the hotel, which is, I guess, supposed to be our mind, you know, the rooms of the hotel. Right. 
And hmm. uh, is that interesting enough to warrant a movie? I'm sure it's interesting enough to warrant a book because we do have fucked up things that happen to us and we have fucked up thoughts that happen to us. And we have because humans are fucked up and our minds are fucked up. Right. And so if there's if there's a moment where Freud said, oh, and at this stage in your life, you might be thinking about this fucked up thing. Now let's make a character of it, is what John Irving, I think, said. Mm. Is that interesting enough? And and does that hold us enough to, to warrant a whole movie about it? I, somebody thought it did. And I, it was interesting enough to me to go, you know what? Strap yourself in. Trigger warnings galore. Okay, but strap yourself in for something that's going to be, in essence, the message of your life is going to be full of crazy thoughts, urgings, tragedies, triumphs, and as long as you keep, you know, they keep saying this over and over. As long pass as you by keep the open going, windows, pass by the open window. Don't don't off yourself the way Jenny Dundas does in this. Who I saw. Uh, on Broadway in the original production of Arcadia. She's great. Well, well mm. that's incredible. That yeah. makes so much sense but that, yeah. that she, that you saw in a Stoppard play. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. that's she what I played, kept thinking. She wow. played the young girl in Arcadia, both with Victor Garber and Blair Brown. A million I saw years that ago, as well. Yeah. Yeah. At uh, Lincoln Shit, Center. I she was great. That. Wow. And it was a great, and, and you, one of your favorites, uh, Jason was in that production, uh, uh, Havlin Morris was also in that um, from Gremlins wow. too, uh, but uh, and sixteen, <laughs> and 16 candles. candles, yeah, that's right, yeah. and so she's good. awesome. Um, but anyway, so, it, you're sort I of blowing went, my mind with this, Dan. Like I didn't even think about that, like about the Freud and it's because all in the beginning Freudian I'm like, Whoa, symbology. What's, yeah, it's all, it's all there. This whole thing is there. like open up the mind of Freud and dig in and scoop out some stuff and feed it to yourself, and that's what this movie is. Is that interesting enough to get me above? I don't know, a just over middling Sheila rating? No, because you're, but you're right too, Jason. You have to find the heart. We have, I cared about Bo Bridges, kinda. Kinda. You know, but I didn't really care about anybody else in this thing. You have to tug at my heartstrings at some point. You got to get me caring. But I think in a, in a sort of weird Brechtian way, and maybe in a Pinter-esque way, they want you to distance yourself. You know, this filmmaker and maybe John Irving also wants you to go, let's be one degree removed from tug, merely tugging at your heartstrings. And let's see the overall, the, whole, the point of this thing is the last shot. Let's, yes, all, just pull, keep, yes. let's all just keep dancing. Yep. Let's all just keep going. Your life's going to be crazier than you ever could have imagined. And you're going to have... All of these feelings and all these things that happen to you, as long as you keep dancing, you're good. And I get it. I get it. But I need to be moved, you know, so so I think it's recommendable as an oddity, as a as a as like a lesser pinter play would be <laughs> or a lesser, you know, I mean, it's ain't waiting for Godot or or the birthday party. But, you know, it's a second tier, one of those. And they're going for something here. I just don't think it it hit a home run in the way that the great Wes Anderson movies hit a home run who do all of this stuff in a way and are filled with symbolism and uh, still manage to get you right in the right in the heart. So in the end, I was as, as infuriated as I was. And I, I literally was screaming to Kate from the, ba I was watching in the basement. I was like, this is the, f I don't know what the fuck is going on. Like, this is yeah. the weird, like yeah. what is happening? It just, yeah. I was so, it was not what I expected at all, yeah. but I 
sort of give it props for doing what it did. I agree. I don't know how successful it was, but I'm sort of in I'm like a six and a half Sheila. I'm almost like maybe a seven. I don't know. Yeah, I'm at, I'm at a six. I'm at a yeah. six with it. I'll give you it know, a six and a half. I I didn't feel like I needed to scrub my brain like I did after Devlin Max Devlin or She's the One or uh, Parts of Nothing But Trouble. But nothing is John Irving, great American author. One Sheila. I wow. Not oh, I hated it. I hated every second of it. I you can get say, it. This is a movie about the human condition that had no human heartbeat. And, and I was like, then I don't know what it is. Yeah. You, I don't you know take why this I'm whole cast of so characters long. and throw them into the cornfield. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. That's true. You'd send Malachi to take care of him. Just send Malachi to. Oh, God. You know, what? Malachi looms so large in, in, in the consciousness of this podcast. And, and I guess, in the, and for what? What the fuck did he do in this? This is, this is some weird. Are you kidding? Everything. everything in this. He's Malachi. He's Mal is right. Mal, the root. Bad in every way. You talk about Courtney Gaines that way. Oh, Courtney Gaines. Oh, Courtney. my God. Don't shit on his house. Don't, I was just going to say, don't shit on his don't house. Don't you shit on his house. Oh, well, it's not going to get better from here from my perspective. It might get a little better from here. I mean, one Sheila is low. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, all right, let's, let's, <laughs> let's move on to the children of the corn. Every child is afraid of the dark. The unknown. The nightmare. In Gatlin, Nebraska, that nightmare is in the corn. <laughs> Stephen King's Children of the Corn. As physician Bert Stanton, played by Peter Horton, and his girlfriend Vicky, played by Linda Hamilton, drive across the Midwest to his new job, their trip comes to a sudden halt when they encounter the body of a murdered boy in the road. And by encounter, I mean they slam into the child's body with their car. And by sudden halt, I also mean they slam into the child's body with their car. <laughs> in trying to contact the authorities, Bert and Vicky wander into a small Nebraskan town populated only by children, followers of a sinister young preacher named Isaac, played by John Franklin. You see, Isaac convinced the wee ones to murder all the resident adults because, as Will Smith might say in between slapping people, parents indeed just don't understand. <laughs> Soon, the couple is fleeing the youthful fanatics, including Courtney Gaines's subtle and affecting, that was sarcasm, Malachi, who want to sacrifice the adults by tying them to giant corncob crucifixes or something. While children's shit is often filled with corn. Children of the Corn is clearly full of shit, and the box office agreed as the film. You are in a mood this morning. You are in a mood. Sanctioning exactly no buffoonery. Uh, no buffoonery this week. And the box office agreed as the film made only $2 million over its opening weekend en route to a tepid $14.5 million. Fred and Dan, what did you guys think of Children of the Corn? Okay, so for me, for me and me alone, uh, maybe me alone. No, not me alone. Me many people, I think, probably Fred, if I'm going to, you know, venture to guess. This movie is all about Isaac and Malachi. Without these yeah, two, sure. without these two, I mean, they're iconic. They're iconic 80s characters. And here's, and here's why. The second 
that Isaac looks in the window of the diner. And the second Malachi turns from whatever the hell he's doing in the diner and goes and just they nod at each other. I was instantaneously back in my grandmother's den in 1984 because she had cable. My father's mother, grandma, rest her soul, had cable. We did not. And so for some reason, you know, whenever I was over, you know, my mother and father would take me, take us over to grandma's. They'd sit in the kitchen, you know, have tea and and talk. And and we, you know, my my sister and I would say hi to grandma. We talked to her for a little while and then I go, okay, you can go, you know, go into the den and, you know, play with the dog or play a game or watch cable. And we would put cable on because we didn't have it. And I want to say a minimum of eight times children of the corn was on. For some reason, this was on uh, nonstop. It was yeah, on nonstop, yes. non freaking stop. Yeah. And my sister would be like, "Oh, it's on again." And I go, "No, not this again." I was so scared, and she would t- torture me with it. And this was, I mean, these were the kid. This is my image of the kids that bullied me. Was Malachi and Isaac? They were just <laughs> evil evil children and uh, they're so i love them in this they're so good and they're so committed because they're so freaking scary to me and and isaac even more than malachi i had forgotten how freaking scary isaac is i think i blocked me him out too. yeah when isaac came on screen yeah, i was like holy shit i forgot about this little fucker yeah he he's, al- yeah he, he was also looks terrifying. 47 he's like he's the love child he looks like of, a middle-aged woman yeah, yeah he looks like a <laughs> middle-aged he's woman the love child of of mr bean and B. Arthur. He's, 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 yeah, it was like uh, Linda Hunt. Yes, the the, yeah, the yeah. actor has a condition, has some sort of condition. Oh, well, I think. I'm that, sorry yeah. to hear that. But, but you insensitive asshole. Um, he was terrific in it, and and deeply frightening to my soul. And I and I started remembering so <laughs> many things from this movie, and also going like, "Wow, did I block this out? Boy, did I!" Because re- I know I'd seen this before, you know. And there were things that I'm like, "Oh, I remember this happens in this moment." Oh, yeah. Now there's a thing underneath the there's a corn monster or whatever the hell that thing is at the end that comes under the under the uh, ground. But ridiculous, 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 <laughs> ridiculous. There's so much ridiculousness, but all. All of that sort of visceral. Th- oh, and the meat slicer. Boo, anything with a meat slicer. Oh my god. Oh, yeah, that's, and that's... but the visceral um, uh, quality of this and what it sort of did to my, you know, in my guts in this thing. And and Taylor watched it with me too, and, and she was like, "Oh, this is homeschool. This is when I was homeschooled in Arkansas. I know all these kids." <laughs> oh, hilarious. No. hilarious. She oh, was like, "Yeah, no, this is what no. this is what it's like." Um, oh she was God. very funny watching it. Uh, uh, and then, um, but that is wrestling in my brain with how terrible this screenplay is. Oh my so God, bad. this is bad. So bad. Peter Horton. Horton hears a who. He is here. He is uh, oblivious. He he's a medic. He's a doctor. He's getting his MD in something. This is the and it's not Peter Horton's fault. This no. is the oh, dumbest no. character we have encountered in the podcast. <laughs> he just does, and it's a trope. I get it. it's a horror movie trope. Characters are going to do dumb it's, things and put themselves further into the situation. Yeah, so dumb. He's so yeah. dumb. But also, the screenplay is dumb. The kids are running. Somebody says. Oh, look, the kids are running, you know, uh, shoot, you know, uh, 
that's got that seems like a sharp knife. That's really a sharp knife. Like the screenplay is telling you what the characters are seeing the whole time. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, you know the the town hall. Well, it's only nineteen miles. You know the sign says nineteen miles. Hey, it's only nineteen miles to the thing. Stop telling us things we've already seen. It, the, over and over again, their dialogue is is their he's putting into the characters' mouths things that could be cut because we've already seen it occur. It is yes. you also need that narration too. They, I think they, I feel like I don't know if they added in the narration <laughs> afterwards. It's first of all, it's the worst. Na- it's it's worse than than you know, and you know I love Blade Runner, but it's it's worse than Harrison Ford's narration on that. I mean, it's just. It, the, the kid is terrible. Oh, he's bad. But yeah, that poor kid. you don't need okay. it. Yeah, you don't need it. There's so much you don't need <sighs> in, in this thing. But, you know, every time that evil duo, I mean, they're better than the Joker and Harley Quinn, these two. They're terrific. <laughs> they're great. They're just the evilest duo. And I'll watch them. Oh eat. I want God. a whole movie of their journey and their story and and, and their relationship. And, See, and I, I got love such a joke. That could be interesting. Oh, it's you got a oh, jolt. What were you going to say, Fred? No, yeah, when I saw man. when Isaiah popped up, I forgot Isaac, about yeah. him. Isaac, Isaac sorry. Yeah. Because um, everybody talks about Malachi, but Malachi doesn't do much. Malachi is just a kid with long hair and a huge but, mouth. And a gigantic mouth. <laughs> gigantic. <laughs> the biggest mouth I've ever seen. Wow. It's amazing. But, but Isaac is actually scary. Isaac is like. The baby version of of the old man in Poltergeist too, like standing with a big pilgrim hat, standing outside a screen door. It's like the exact same thing. Yeah, that was yeah. one of the most terrifying images ever. Like as a kid, like Poltergeist oh, yeah. two fucked me up oh, just because yeah. of that guy. Because of, uh, whatever Julian Beck. Yes. Um, Holy he's like shit. A, yeah, he's like a baby Julian Beck. He exactly. was the scariest thing I'd seen literally since the mm-hmm. day after. Like, we've talked about how that movie the day after mm-hmm. scarred me. And then I saw his fucking creepy Crypt Keeper <laughs> face on a big screen in Port Washington. And I was like, fuck, <laughs> this, fuck this life. Like, oh my God. You're gonna die in there. All of you. You are gonna die. It was terrifying. But... The same thing, Dan, this movie, you know, we've talked about this before. I was a big Stephen King reader, you know, growing up around a little after this. I I feel like I started reading Stephen King in about seventh grade with the dead zone. Mm -hmm. And I did read this in his, this was a short story in night shift, which did you notice when they're driving the uh, the car? It's on on the dashboard. dashboard. It's night shift, which I thought was cool. I noticed that. Mm -hmm. But this movie, I had never seen it. I'd only seen parts of it because I was so- Are you kidding me, Fred? I'd only seen parts of it, like wow. just like uh, with like a hand over my eyes, like flipping through channels. So scary. It was the same thing with Poltergeist. You know, the t- like I was too scared to watch these oh. movies, and this movie was the definition of creepy to me as a kid. Yeah, you know, it just it defined creepiness, and it was those characters. And yeah, I think I'd blocked out Isaac because yeah, when he popped up outside <sighs> that window, I yelped. I was like, oh god, I forgot about this little fucker. <laughs> Jesus. Christ. Christ. <laughs> and you're right, man. That kid, he is creepy as all get out. Way yeah. creepier than Malachi. But uh, yes. but then it just, it goes really down. It's just not, it it's so like a it's bad student movie. It's yeah. not scary at all. It's not scary. No. Um, which in a way, I'm like, wait, is this making it creepier? In the beginning, it sort of made it creepier. Uh, but uh, because it was like a grindhouse film in a way. Sure. But it's sure. not. It's not scary. There's lots of like scary shots of 
corn stalks. And po- it oh, also yeah. one comes alive You're and grabs right. his I mean, legs I, and his crotch. I was like, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, the, yeah, the corn's like, bending like, over. I'm like, yeah, get and the then fuck he walks out into of here. It like nothing. Like it's nothing. He's right. like, oh, the corn's well, bending? Like, Great. I'll go in there. You don't. Oh, this is like when I parted the Red Sea. <laughs> oh, wait, I'm not Moses. <laughs> it's so I'm not Moses dumb. anymore. Smart actors playing very, very dumb characters. So You're right. Dumb. It, yeah. it is the trope, but it gets to a point where you're like, what else do you need to see to not realize that this town is deserted? Exactly. You're walking, there are corn stalks and rats everywhere. There's no one around. Like Peter Horton, what do you, and you know, How their much first scene. How much more do you need yeah. to get in the car and drive out of just there fucking back go. the way you came if you can't get to, it was a very Twilight Zone how they can't get out of the town, like they're yes. destined to go to the town. But go back the way, go in any other direction at a hundred miles right, an hour. Right. How much more do you need? Stop trying to get to City Hall and stop trying to get to a phone. Those, those The tropes work when they get us to big events or scary moments or like great scenes or great scares or great gross outs because we're like this is a stupid trope but it got us to these moments or it got us to nothing happens and it's just somebody just being stupid and staying in a creepy place filled with danger much longer than he needs to but there are no payoffs there's nothing that really happens in it never when when the car hit the kid i i was in the dressing room watching this (sighs) and i yelped and I and nobody else was in the it was like at a point in the show where I just inexplicably were, was alone in that dressing room and I felt so I was so glad because I was so embarrassed but I was like you know I had like one of those jump scares and I was like oh wow this thing might be chock full of this maybe I shouldn't be watching it at work during a show but then there was never another moment like that no. again there was nothing yeah. else that surprised me or had that great scare value or that you must that, have gone right you know, back that, to toxic avenger territory for a second for a split second yeah. i did i for a split second i did I, but yeah it was you know and this is it's this is directed by the great fritz kirsch i've never heard of fritz kirsch so i don't know maybe he's made a lot of great movies but i was like i was trying to think like what is it about this movie because i never saw a second of it as a kid really and i was because yes because i was too frightened the, yeah. the poster is so effective this like you know you know yeah. it's kids it's cornfields this scythe against yeah. a blood red background i was like this is going to be too, way too intense for me but nothing really there's nothing intense happens. about it at all there's no like there's no really gory moments there's no really scary moments and they drag Malachi things out the yeah so like the, with, out. with the mechanic that whole scene with the mechanic yes. is just holy shit just get to like it's just him so walking around four, and then you'll see a shot that. of a knife which are, by the way the shiniest cleanest knives you've ever seen <laughs> well Malachi uh, would have a shiny clean knife come on of course he He's would probably licking well, the blood off of it all that can't buy me love money <laughs> three years later um, uh, Tough yeah, that's Turf RG. was directed by Fritz Kirsch remember Tough yes. Turf oh. James Spader I remember that, that movie that's a and weird movie that. James Spader and, a, and I think uh, Robert Downey Jr. might have a small part it's a weird yeah. movie and, and oh, I never uh, heard of that here's a, here's a, a, it's a, not a good a, movie but it's a weird movie and the movie Gore G-O-R remember Gore no no it Gore? is a science fiction fantasy <laughs> Uh, I remember this uh, showing up on cable. It was, uh, uh, it, it's sort of like a, um, it's almost it's like, like a, chud. You, no, it's like a, um, it's sort of like a, in the, I put it in like a crawl 
kind of kind of. I thought uh, I was thinking category. it was Crow. Yeah, there's like a magical ring, and there's a there's a Barbarella type uh, woman, and there's a guy with a helmet and a beard. It's one of those kind of you know sci-fi crawl mm-hmm. crawl mm-hmm. crawl adjacent. Uh, film. <laughs> this is the uh, um, the oeuvre of a Fritz Kirsch. I can't speak. Yeah, there, there's so many. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fun and something like as a bad movie. It's yeah. fun, like like when the kid who winds up getting hit by the car when he is like, I'm gonna make my my break. I'm gonna make You're the dead. break for it. And he takes his little suitcase and he runs. Yeah, he runs into the, goes into the corn and. The girl. The other kid scream. A kid screams. Nobody's no. looking. Yeah. Uh, that's the most idiotically it. brilliant thing. She's going, You're nobody's sc- looking. Nobody's looking. It's like, like what? that's not how you steal away <laughs> no. quietly no, by go. somebody screaming. Coast is clear. Yeah, okay. None of the other demon children are watching. <laughs> it's safe now. You can go. So yeah, it's it's a very silly, silly movie. I I thought the effect of what (laughs) the special effects are so horrible at the end, but I did kind of like that. It reminded me of Tremors. The thing coming under the ground was like that. But I was like, that's fine. What is that? But you want to know what it is? Nonsense. But that Tandy Radio Shack. uh, uh, He gets killed by a radio something out of Radio Shack. That the the when Malik when that thing (sighs) climbs up the cruise of the corn the cornifix. And and gets and gets uh, Isaac. It's like who put? Oh my god! What what uh, Radio Shack employee put this special effect together? It is so, oh, so bad. bad and so wonderful. It's, so it's wonderfully bad. Seize him! Punish him! Cut him down! I command you! I am the Word and the Giver of His laws. Disobedience to me is disobedience to Him. Do it now, or your punishment shall be a thousand times a thousand deaths. It's more horrible than the last. They are tired of your talk, Isaac. I've shown them what I can do. Cut the woman down. Put Isaac in her place. Fuck off. I was trying to figure out who the kid looked like to me. The, the Isaac, I wrote Leslie Jordan, Dennis Kucinich, Linda Hunt. Yeah, Linda Hunt is probably the best equivalent. Dennis Kucinich. Dennis Kucinich. Paul Simon, the politician. He looked a little like Paul Simon, the politician. Yes, um, there you go. There you but go. I liked oh Peter God. Horton and Linda Hamilton. Like, I remember their first yeah. scene. It's funny. I thought they were really they're good together. Actors. They're good actors. They're just doing the Dumbest, dumbest shit ever and and yeah. they're split committing up. to it but yeah. I mean, it's in it's the creepiest tough. place anyone has ever been yeah let's split up you stay here i'll go solo to try to find a phone what i get stay it stay here with the random girl we just found playing monopoly with a knife in the board right. yeah, what does malachi have against monopoly by the way I know, no, it's a fine game. What, what does he have against, 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 against record players and crayons? This is the stupidest movie I've ever seen. <laughs> After Hotel New Hampshire. Uh, um, uh, they shit yeah, on his no, house. They shit on his That's house. That's what happens when I you shit so. on Malachi's house. You shit on my house! The fact that multiple people said the phrase, seize them. That's just a fantastic. I like all I the mean, old timey churchy dialogue. You know, I like all that. Question me not, Malachi. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. me not. Yeah, that's, that's right. creepy shit. Terrific moment, good. though, when Malachi that comes back from wherever he went when Radio Shack attacked him. The <laughs> He comes back. It's like he wants you to Malachi. That is a terrific 
we stood, we stood up and we, we, we uh, sat up and took notice. We were like, Oh, when Isaac comes back, you, you mean, yeah. Isaac comes back. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, Isaac back. comes back after uh, the Tandy 2000 effect kills him. I wanted it to be so much only because of my memory of it. I just wanted it to be so much creepier and mm-hmm. disturbing than it was. I mean, the ending, they, the movie ends with like a joke. You know, they're like, ah, we'll send her a letter with like the little girl, Boo. you know, attacking yeah. them in the back seat. Oh, that was. Yes. And they're like, oh, yes. that yeah. was crazy. That Let's was, get out of here. Yeah. We'll write her a letter from Chicago or something. Yeah, <laughs> everything is met with like, huh, that's nuts, boy. This is she's literally talking to the little girl and getting good, solid information about what's happening for the first time. And Peter Horton comes in and goes, "This is going nowhere." It's like, no, it's going nowhere. <laughs> you don't. He's so stupid in this. Have you guys seen? <laughs> Somar, yes, have you yes. seen that movie, The Ariaster? No, I'm too scared. No, but it made me think. Uh, I haven't seen it, but it made me think that the, it's on par with yeah, I hear it's great. The, you know, oh, thematically yeah, it's, or storywise. It, it has many of the same themes. And Gentleman also has shares a little DNA with a couple of Star Trek episodes where, you know, all of the. Uh, great. All of the. <laughs> All of the, they go to a planet where there's only kids. There's an episode called Miri where they go to a planet. There's only the kids there. It's very creepy. It's very much Mm. like this. There's another episode called, and the children will lead them very similar uh, to this. It's Mm. one of the, one of the biblical passages that gets talked about in this movie or written on a thing. And uh, uh, um, so everything's a ripoff. Everything, everything's a ripoff of things that either (laughs) happened in the future or will happen um, the same way Hotel New Hampshire is a ripoff of uh, Wes Anderson. This is a ripoff of of Midsommar. Seven <laughs> in the future, right? Sheila's. <gasps> Seven Sheila's. Jesus, wow! I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Malachi, the court. No, he's not in this. Malachi and Isaac. <laughs> Bring it up. Bring it up for me. Because anytime they're on, I think they should tour these two. They should go on tour and just do their own two man, you know, plays that goes wrong version of, of Children of Corn. I think they should get, uh, they should get, uh, who says Kiorn? Get her in there. Carol, Carol Channing. Channing. Carol, Carol get, Channing. Get the late Carol Channing in there. Get her on the heaven phone. Phone. Children of the Kiorn. Get sponsored by Quorn. So you have Children of the Quorn. And just take it on the road. Seven Sheila. You're saying sponsored by the band Corn or <laughs> sponsored by the food in a can, Corn? The, the, no, the, no the, product, the product Quorn, Q-U-O-R-N, the frozen, the frozen meatless nuts. What? What is, what is that? that? I've never had Quorn. It's delicious. <laughs> that is As, the stupidest <laughs> thing you've ever said on this podcast. Does Cuber eat Corn? <laughs> you've never had Quorn? You gotta have it. It's delicious. Uh, Fred, you're four. Four. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Down. I was just trying to like keep it. I'm three because I feel generous. I'm giving it a three. Uh, I, I enjoyed. Uh, Fred, you don't Malachi. think it's recommendable? I wanted Malachi to be no. more. No. Yeah, you know what? Now yeah, you, you've dragged happens. me. You've dragged uh, me under the corn to a three, Jason. You're uh, right. I really didn't like it. Uh, I really thought it was. Corn. It's not. It just. It's not good. To it. 
It doesn't There's, there's work. nothing scary about it. There's nothing creepy, and it should be creepy. You're right. Malachi and Isaac, fantastic. I'd pay to see them, you know, the beacon doing something, you know. <laughs> the uh, beacon. But, the beacon. You know, doing like a Medea play. <gasps> maybe but maybe no. you could do like a, one of those uh, Netflix uh, improv specials, like Middle March and, Sh- uh, and Schwartz, right? That would be like, <laughs> Amazing. Just like you in biblical passages. I'm too high. The, I'll go. It'd be like what a Gallagher show. They'll put like, what? you know, adults, you, you put your hand in the blender again. It's splattered oh, in the front bro. row. Gallagher and Gallagher oh, too. Oh, oh. The, they could both be Gallagher and Gallagher too. The uh, what did I give? <laughs> what did I give? Um, what did I give Hotel New Hampshire? Six. Yeah, a six. You gave it a six. Okay. Yeah, I'll go I gave six, it a six and a half. Five. I'm too. I'm too high. I think this is a better movie than Hotel New Hampshire, and uh, I think that what the what it viscer. I think I'm giving it this high of a Sheila rating because of just what it viscerally. Nostalgia. More than you most movies it, right? that we've seen on this thing, this took me back to the feelings mm-hmm. of the little 10, 11 year old boy going, no, you know, yeah. why is that For a sure. good thing though? It's not necessarily a good thing. No, but that's what, it's it, that's what I was saying uh, on, on the last episode, I guess, about there's certain things that you get that you give, you're going to feel, you're going to give a higher Sheila rating or feel a different way about because of the nostalgia, but then you could also be disappointed by that nostalgia. And this was, this, I wanted yeah. to be more creeped out by this, oh, but no, okay. seven seemed a little fishy to me anyway. <gasps> oh, oh, that's good. And speaking of good. Carol Channing's. Oh, now. Splash. <laughs> All my life, I've been waiting for someone. And when I find her, she's. She's a fish. Nobody's head loves perfect. She's really hungry. Daryl Hannah, Tom Hanks. And John Candy. Splash, a fantastic tale about a fantastic tale. Come on in, the water's fine. (laughs) When he was eight years old, Alan Bauer nearly drowned in the waters off Cape Cod, but he was saved by a mysterious young girl who appeared to be a mermaid. As an adult, Alan, played by a pitch-perfect Tom Hanks, believes his childhood accident was a hallucination. But when he has a second encounter with the same young woman, played by a delightful Daryl Hannah, his life is turned upside down. Alan and Madison, the name Hannah's mermaid chooses for herself while reading street signs in Manhattan, soon discover that they are soulmates who are meant for each other. But their love is tested both by Madison's revelation of her true heritage and the pursuit of scientists, led by Eugene Levy, who wish to capture and study her. Also starring a scene-stealing John Candy as Alan's brother Freddie, Splash was a smash, according to Gene Shalit, who also said, Don't spend your cash on other trash. Watch cultures clash and eat some hash. Your head I'll bash. Your car I'll crash. Your jeans Jordash. Potatoes mash. Look at this rash. Oh no, don't dash. This film is splash. Then he slept a long, long time, and when Bryant Gumbel finally woke him, Splash had gone on to earn $6.2 million over its opening weekend and a total gross of $69.8 million. Fred and Dan, what'd you guys think of Splash? I love this movie. It's so good. I loved it as a kid. I saw it in the theaters as a kid, and it was one of my favorite movies, and it, it delightfully holds up. This is one of those movies, I think, where, well, first of all, it ticks all the boxes. You always bring this up, 
Dan, this is, to me, one of the great romantic comedies because the romance is there and it's funny as hell. I think it's the best romantic comedy of all time. Yeah, I, I, I you uh, know what? Of all time? I think it's better than Sleeps in Seattle. I think it's better than, than, oh, than, definitely. than, better than, than when, when Harry, Harry met, met Sally. Sally. Yes, I do. I think it's better than Annie oh, Hall. I, uh, I think it's better. All right. I think you're on drugs, uh, but it's, it's a nine <laughs> Sheila movie, but I it's, might. but I think you're on drugs. I may agree. I don't know, Dan. I'd have to think about that. I'd have to think about that I, I, because Jesus face. The, the problem with the movie is that it's a mermaid who has almost no agency. Incorrect. She's a mermaid. Yeah. She's not a, the she's, Come on. No. So here's the thing. Here's Women why. watching this movie would be like, "This is cute. Tom Hanks is great. It works. It's funny. It's a little male gaze." I think there are movies where women and men in romantic comedies are on more equal footing than this. No pun intended, because she has no feet, except when she's on dry land. But no, I love this movie. I'm not saying, I love it, I love it, I love it. And she's wonderful. everything she does. I know, I'm just saying, but but it's also very convenient to be like... I'm a, I'm a magic person who's just incre- who's incredibly hot and I don't know anything about your culture and she just you know she walks around she doesn't she, he fucks her seven times before he speaks a word to her because, he, <laughs> because she doesn't even know how to talk yet and he's just like yeah you're this beautiful woman who pulled me out of the sea and kissed me and now I'm you know you're living in my house and by it's it's great it works it works it works but I don't think it can be considered the greatest romantic comedy of all time. That's just my opinion, but it could I do be. Love if Dan it. wants to consider it, it absolutely can be. Just like you considered Gremlins, you know, uh, whatever it was. I don't the want to bring up romantic comedy of, of all time. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. There's Gizmo and Stripe. There's Isaac and Malachi. There are the great duos. There's Madison and Tom Hanks. All these great romantic pairings. Right? What's so great about this movie to me is that there are things, there, there, are, there are holes. There are things that are questionable. There are moments that you're like, well, that's convenient. But I, I, I buy it all. I go with it because they're so good. They're, they're so wonderful in it. So Tom good. Hanks is, is I mean, this is, you know, I, going into the movie, I love Tom Hanks from Bosom Buddies. So I was in, yes. you know, to start with. And he's great in it. And he's just, you know, you're like, this is why he became Tom Hanks. Yeah. You know, he became. And then he's I think so after good. this, he sort of had a string of, you know, little misfires here and there before it really hit. But he's likable in everything he does. And, but Daryl Hannah, I mean- Dynamite. She makes it. If you don't have, you can have a great leading she, man, but if you don't have someone wonderful. who could pull that off, she's wonderful. She's so, she's heartbreaking at times, you know, and, and it she, brought me back. She's like wonderful. The, the moments where she's, a, you know, a, a left alone and, you know, in the rain and trying to, you know, in the alleyway, trying not to get wet. You know, as a kid, it, it's funny, this movie in many ways, what I remembered was that moment and the moment of Tom Hanks, you know, that's sort of like the dark night of the soul moment of the movie where he's, you know, on in, in, in the... Uh, in his, you know, workplace, wherever it is, the, the, the fruit vendor area. And, yeah. um, he's, he's crouched, you know, he's sitting, he's sitting down, there, his yeah. head's down and it's that profile shot. And she walks up as a kid and watching it this time reminded me, I was like, that was the definition 
of romance of like, yeah. I, I remember thinking like, oh, that's what I want. I want that dramatic moment where I'm down and out. And I just, you know, I think, I feel like I went into junior high school once I started to, you know, you get those feelings of crushes and, you know, you're like experimenting with relationships and what it means to be boyfriend, girlfriend. I was like, that's it. That's what you want. You want to be sitting there on the dock alone. Yeah, and then the woman walks up to you and she's like, yes. And you look up and, you know, it was such a, it was, it was at a pivotal moment of my young mind of like, that's what romance is. You know, this is two people coming together, you know, who they're being pushed apart, but then they come together. Their and, worlds are so different, you know, their worlds yeah, are yeah, so yeah, yeah. They're literally different in this and, mm -hmm. and love conquers it. You know, they're yeah. love for each thinking, other. Well, that's so it. He has to make that choice Wonderful. at the end. And then it's oh, like, yeah. well, that's what you do. I mean, yes. if, uh, you know, what else can you do? That's I, right. You have to. And, you know, you literally take the plunge, right? I've, yeah. I read so much oh, stuff afterwards, which yeah. is like, well, it doesn't make sense. He, how could he breathe under there? It's like, oh, as soon shut as he the touches her up. hand. Shut the hell he, up. As soon as he's with her, Nonsense. he can breathe under there. Yeah. And I thought, and I never remember, you know, spoiler alert, the last shot. I yes. never remember this as a kid, that there's like a city far away because you do they're swimming this is in the credits yeah the, yeah. the credits yeah. go by and then the last shot is like way off in the distance you're like oh my god there is because for a while you're watching i forgot the about like, that too jason you're like yep, you're like this, the is, this is wonderful they're together and then you're like is he they just gonna swim around the coral <laughs> reef forever because i think he's gonna get bored with that like i That's literally had a moment where i was like He's going to miss eating food. He's going to miss like seeing things and doing things. And then you're like, oh my God, there's a city down there. There is well, a place for them. Well, that's it's the thing it's because really you don't get much about, and it's, it's so funny you mentioned that Jason, because I, I got excited when I saw that. I don't, I didn't remember that. <laughs> I didn't and I was so happy that it happened because one of the things I kept wondering in this rewatch was I love Daryl Hannah. I love what she's doing. Their, their chemistry is, is off the charts, yeah. but I kept thinking, but like, what's her backstory? We don't know about her family. Does she have friends? We see a few shots of her underwater. Mm. So that's why you need that at the end and going, yeah. oh no, they will have a life together yeah, yeah. and yeah. she will show her you know, her world, he'll be a part of her world. Um, yeah. So is this based you know, on Little Mermaid in any way, shape or form? Had they had to have been thinking about it. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I mean, sure. That's a good yeah, question. I'm sure, I'm sure they did think about you know, it. I'm they sure had it to like, think about the hands spin off of it in some way. Yeah. But it's, now, was this, was this Ron That's Howard's so first film? No, Night Shift was Night his first Shift, film. Night Shift, right. And, Keat, and Michael Keaton was supposed to do this part. He was right. off this part oh, before right. Tom yeah. Hanks. Wow, wait. But man, I'll tell you, I haven't seen Night Shift in a long time, but as I was watching this, I was like, Ron Howard is a brilliant comedy director. So good. So good. Brilliant. This is his coming out Before we ever meet Daryl Hannah, like, this movie is a fucking fantastic, perfect, perfectly directed comedy yeah. before you ever get to any of the romance yep. or any of the Daryl Hannah's plot. And it, it so it, it works as both. Your father called. He wants you to call him back. Um, uh, Mrs. Stimler, our father passed away about five years ago. Do you remember? Right. Uh, should I get him for you? No, no, no. We'll, uh, I'll take care of you. You, you just get back to work. What's with her? Oh, she had a little accident over the weekend. Got hit in the head by some lightning. <laughs> oh, it's not funny, Freddy. It's not funny. I'm sorry. That's not funny. That's not funny. 
Besides, she's okay. She can still do certain things around the office. Like what? Jumpstart a car? <laughs> Jumpstart a car. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, yes, it is a very, it is a great romantic uh, comedy, but it, but it also just works as just a great 1980s character comedy, New York comedy. Yes. It feels like Ghostbusters a lot. New it's York a very, movie, yeah. a very New York movie. The very New Yorkers New York, feel um, like New Yorkers and sound like New Yorkers. Oh, and yeah. yes, he's the New got York the casting tone is right. fantastic. It's My favorite edited. is, uh, yeah. Babalu, well, you got the great Joe Grafasi who's in everything, but as the cab yeah, driver, he's yeah, great. Yeah. But also, and I guess it's, it's uh, I don't know if it's Lowell Gans or Babalu Mandel, he, the it's, tour guide. Bocce oh, is that Statue balls. of Liberty? He, yeah. Bocce balls. Yeah. yeah. Is that one of, the, one of the writers? He's really yeah. good. But just do not, don't touch the hat. Do not ever <laughs> touch the hat. Welcome to the Statue of Liberty. The statue is a gift from French citizens that has come to symbolize hope for naked women everywhere. Bocce balls! I love uh, uh, Harry Met Sally. I l adore it. I adore Annie Hall. You know, what we feel about Woody, Woody Allen today, what we may feel about him. I love that movie. And and uh, there are other, you know, romantic comedies that I that I certainly love as well. I like Pretty Woman. And that's a lot. It has a lot yeah, of problems. Very you know? problematic. Mm -hmm. um, but no, this definitely goes on the list. I mean, this is definitely so up there. It's so, good. It's so it's so surprising. It's so um, well that's paced. It's moving. so well edited. Yeah. Uh, John Candy and Eugene Levy, you know, Howard is is uh, you know smart John enough Candy to cast them? Yeah, and it's and you go. Where is this John Candy in other projects where he seems to be more phoning it in? He gets it. You know, he gets what this is, and he gets that. I love their little scene. It's brief, where he's like, "You got to do this. I'm never going to have love. You know, it's mm -hmm. never going to find me. I'm never going to find it. I'm just going to be constantly bopping around. But you need to go for it. It's a beautiful scene, and and you see that John Candy, the actor, in that in that moment, and Eugene Levy's turn towards, you know, <laughs> towards compassion is a yeah. wonderful turn. And, and I had forgotten about that. It's just so good. I'm like looking through my net. I mean, there's so many great moments and so many great scenes. Yeah, John Candy, is so you're right. Sweet. John Candy has an edge here that he doesn't have in anything. Like they didn't access yeah. that in other movies really don't like he's boorish a bit in planes, trains and automobiles, but not really. He's a big lovable sweetheart. I mean, this character also ends up being a sweetheart, yes. but he's, but he's not, he's, you know what I mean? Like he mostly played, I, I feel like he mostly played big, big sweet guys without right. this kind of an edge. This is more like a Belushi kind of character or something. And, totally. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah it's, just, I mean, it's great. I'm in he's Penthouse so Magazine. <laughs> I remember like as a kid thinking that was the funniest thing in the world. I didn't know what a lesbian was, but just here, like, a, what's his, a lesbian no more. That's the name of his story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. It's so they good. published my letter. Yeah. Oh my God. Him getting hit in I the thought, head with the racquetball ball. It's still oh, fantastic. How do they do that? Because yeah. that's this is way before CGI. How many takes did that take? And it is perfection. I know. I wrote that. I was like, how do they get that shot? Yeah. Like, yeah. talk about chemistry. I mean, the chemistry in, the chemistry between Tom Hanks and Daryl Hannah is off the charts so much. I remember when we watched this movie with my kids years ago. They were like, "Ew, it's, what's with all the kissing? It's too much kissing." Oh, please! It's <laughs> kissing, kissing. It's constant kissing. But there, but Tom Hanks and John Candy, their chemistry is just as off the wall. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I I thought that at the beginning. I was like, "They're so good together." What about a woman showing up naked in a public place, Freddie? Well, I'm for it, of course. But you yourself said that she had some kind of what immigration problem. 
She's on an ocean liner in the middle of uh, international waters. And uh, she sees America, looks good. So she greases her body up like a channel swimmer. She dives in, she uh, goes through some sharks, has some heavy trouble there, goes through the Coast Guard, through some minefields, and then, then she's, uh, she's on shore, she's okay, see? Now look, I'm being serious. I've had a few minor fiascos in my own love life, and I admit that freely. Freddie, you took a date to one of your own weddings. You know, you're talking about Ron Howard being such a great filmmaker, and like the, so the comedy is uh, the the scene where where she goes through the revolving door for the first time mm. is it's Perfect. brilliant. It's Chef's Kiss, perfect. Her reaction, yes. how it's filmed, the timing of it, the all those moments. Perfect. But I remember too. Oh, great! God, the um, the moment where Eugene Levy finally shoots the water on her. I remember even as a kid, it's done so well. It gives me chills. Like, it's it's, it's shocking. It, it's shocking. It's almost shot like a horror movie, but it, it's mm -hmm. just it's it's so simple, but it's done so well with the flashlights and everything. I mean, you really get caught up in that moment. It's yeah, he's he's a really uh, you know, I, look, he's been he'd been around film sets for his entire life, but considering this is his only second movie, I mean, he's he's got he's a confidence. So yeah, it's it's really he's such a fantastic funny director. I I don't now you think of him as more like you know his pedigree, and he does, and he he jumps through genres, Apollo thirteen, Willow. He does all sorts of very different stuff that you know even the Grinch whatever does family movies he does big special effects movies he does everything but Ron Howard he did the Star Wars the solo he took that over that but good. it's kind of funny that he took over it, it's funny that he took over solo from a pair of comedic directors who were the, the Lord and Miller who were like yeah. considered to be like they were getting too playful with it too funny with it and like you need like elder statesman Ron Howard at the wheel but like watching <laughs> this I was like I was like he was funny as fuck and had a very irreverent subversive but also simultaneously classic like it's like classic comedy sense of humor and timing and pace and he's just really really great and yeah I, I, I don't think he ever even as much as these films were heralded I, the, early in his career, I don't think he, and maybe it's because he switched gears and went to Cocoon, like his third or fourth movie, you know, and mm -hmm. started getting into, uh, you know, branching out in terms of what he did that he's not thought of in the top tier of like great comedy directors. Oh, but this movie alone he puts him in that tier. You think about be. what he came up in. I mean, Andy Griffith show, which was yeah. ostensibly, you know, it was like a sweet hometown. I mean, it was a comedy. Um, and then Happy Days around, you know, uh, Gary Marshall and that whole gang, you know, the, the, he was right, surrounded he never, by. He never struck you as like, you know what I mean? It's not like you, like, oh, the funny guy off of that no, sitcom. No, not at all. But what I'm saying like is, no, 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 no. But I'm saying he was surrounded by people who were making, that was their sort of wheelhouse. You know, it wasn't oh, like, yeah. it, 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 I know what you're saying. It is surprising, but in a way it shouldn't be because if he grew up, you know, being like this dramatic actor, if he was like a, a little Leonardo DiCaprio, but he grew up in that world of comedy. So he probably had great mentors and teachers and like, he just probably had the timing oh, down pat anyway. I'm just saying um, now he's gotten so far from yeah. that. He hasn't done movies like this in so long. I mean, cause this is like a really good comedy director at work and it's funny. It's just nice to... Nice to see it. And we'll the dramatic, funny it too, and that the dramatic you, oh, moments too, because I remember when Barney squirted Gomer with the hose to try because he thought <laughs> Gomer was a mermaid. And so, well, girl, he, 
hey, I'm not a bird, here's mate. The, here's the thing about that. Go ahead. She, I, I, and I forgot this, and I was like, oh, I didn't remember this. I was like, oh, I, I, I wonder how they're going to do that. When she gets in the tub... And she fills the tub with salt. That's my favorite salt scene. Water. And then she, it's beautiful. And she gets in and then her her fins come back, right? Her mm, tail comes so back. So good. So then, then when he's doing everything with the hose, I was like, oh, it's not going to work. Like the first time he does it, I was like, oh, that's right. It doesn't work because it's not salt water. Like she needs to be in salt water. Mm. That's what I thought was going to be the thing. And I forgot. I was like, how do they get there? How do they get her drenched with salt water. And then I was like, oh no, they don't. It's just water. But yeah. they just they just added in the grace note of her making the bath salty, you know, mm. which 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 yeah. is great. But it led me down a path for a second where I was like, oh, it needs to be salt water, not fresh water, which is silly. <laughs> but whatever. I thought that for a minute. I just want to say one great doesn't, moment. I, I just want to just going off of that for just a half a second, Jason, there is that yeah. strange yeah. moment that I don't think you need. It actually doesn't add anything where she sort of touches her arm or squeezes a something on her arm. And that's when her scales appear, you know, before oh, oh, she gets so in funny. the bath. It is an odd moment. It always struck me as odd. I totally forgot about it until this rewatch. And I was like, yeah, that actually. Oh, I thought she was in the water at that like point. She's, like she's activating you No, know, she's si- Exactly. She's sitting on the edge of the tub. It's before she gets in the water and she, she squeezes something on her arm and that's where you see it's not in full focus but that's where you see it's sort of a (gasps) moment of like oh that's how she becomes mermaid is by squeezing a thing and it's like oh that actually takes away for for me i didn't remember that when i when i saw it on this rewatch too i'm like i don't remember this shot at all yeah, it, it, it actually takes yeah. away a little bit of something from me because I'm like, wait, but she, okay, so she doesn't need the water to, I guess maybe it doesn't, I don't know, because it's just, she can choose or not choose to be the mermaid at any time, I guess. She can, she can you know, get her fins or not, but water makes it happen. You know, if it's water, she has no choice. Oh, I see what you're saying. You know what I mean? Hmm. Maybe that's what the story they're telling. But I always thought you didn't need it. Sorry to interrupt, Jason. What were you going to say? No, no, no. I, I, that's that's really interesting. I, I forgot that. I forgot that moment. No, but what I was going to say is it's a really great moment, especially on Daryl Hannah's part, right after that scene. Right. So she. Mm. He's knocking on the door. He's banging on the door. She's out of the tub. She's so trying to get the legs good. back, trying to get the legs she's back. She's drying herself uh, at the hairdryer. She's oh, drying herself. Yeah. So you know, trying so hard. He comes in and he's like, what's going on? What's going on? And she says, I, I, I was shy. And then he's like, saying, Beautiful. what do you mean you were shy? You, you know, you did this, you did that, everything else. And it's her line reading where she, yeah. she's just like. I was shy. Like yeah. it's yeah. like literally my body, my choice. I'm aware. Exactly. Like if I say I'm not in the mood, if I say no, no is no. Yeah. It doesn't matter that yes came before. It right. doesn't matter that we're together. It doesn't matter that the, <laughs> I get to decide when you get to see, see me and when, and mm, when, the pri- when yeah, I want privacy and when I don't That's want privacy. It. And I thought it was really beautiful. Really, really well done. And I think most of it comes down to how she said it because it could have just been like, I don't know what to tell you. I was shy. And then like, you know, like just making my excuse and go. But she, she changes the line reading yes. as if to, and shuts him down yeah. with it. And I think as a kid, I would never notice no. the nuance of that. And in this rewatch, no. I was like, boy, really it's good. Awesome. Really but great. as a kid, so I, cause awesome. again, this is a movie I've seen so many times and 
it's as I've, I've, I've used this expression many times before, but so much of it is in my DNA. I know it so well. I know so many of the moments, Eugene Levy, you know, trying to wave yes! down, you know, so wave down the army truck at the end. So yeah. slip the hand like this, the other hand is broken, and then it's, that doesn't work. So and the, mo- you know, the what comes over his face is fantastic. It's all those little moments, but that is something, even as a kid, I remember her line reading, and maybe I didn't understand it, yeah. but yeah. I always knew it affected me. And, and, and oh, you know, yeah. and always remember thinking like, wow, that's, I don't know what that is, but I really liked it. Hi. Hi. Are you okay? Yeah. Well, why wouldn't you let me in? I was shy. You were shy? After the car and the elevator and the, the bedroom and on top of the refrigerator, you were shy? I was shy. She was shy. They're just, they're so wonderful together. The only thing that I didn't understand is why was he at a dinner with the president? Was that mentioned earlier? Yeah, why he's a fruit vendor, <laughs> you know. And he remembers it. He's that like, would be he's like, like we'll do it tonight. Uh, and he's like, an audience <laughs> with the president. You but don't I, think he but did? Suddenly, Your mouth was constantly meeting presidents. He knew Nixon was, personally. That's why he loved Nixon. this place. Um, <laughs> go back to episode whatever. Um, oh my God, you'll never understand it, this. It was, no one will, yeah, even if you go back to listen to 91 episodes, you'll never understand that reference. Um, but it was really strange. And he's like, yeah, we'll get married tonight. Oh no, wait, we got that dinner with the president. And I'm thinking, one, what dinner with the president? Two, how do you forget that you're having dinner with the president? Yeah. How does that just slip your when mind? When Daryl around and you have your mermaid love, I guess. You, everything goes out the but window. But again, it's like, and then I also thought, listen, wait, you can't park right in front of the Museum of Natural History without getting yeah. a ticket. There's Why no not? way. But it's, uh, but it doesn't. Matter, and I also thought, like, well, what are the rules? What are the why can't he ever come back if he goes in the water with her? You know, they they don't really. She goes back and forth, right? Why can't? But then she says that she can't. Like, they don't explain some of that stuff. Yeah, why only the six days? Yeah, it's it's yeah, but it doesn't. It's the tides. It's the moon. It's the but that's part of the magic and the mystery of the thing. It's this magic to it. Elevates for me them all of that magic elevates the movie for me you know it's a fairy tale uh exactly and that's why you know that's why we loved little mermaid too and why we love some of these uh, larger than life you know uh uh, greater than ourselves romances and i I think that's what puts it Mm -hmm. you know puts it um uh, in a higher you know echelon for me i love um uh uh the moment also i mean another iconic moment when she's eating the lobster you can, you'll yeah. you never forget. Fantastic. That. You just never forget. And she's tugging on. She's not only eating lobster. She's tugging on the legs of the lobster to sort of. <laughs> she's it's an so animal good. in that moment. It's 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 so. And so, it so reminded good. me of when Harry met Sally. It's like the yes. other iconic, yes. like totally w- same kind of woman moment. eating dinner at a date. The scene. other yeah. weird, yeah. like iconic moment that it's not iconic but it's something that i always remember and i just think it's a great i'm like is that a ron howard thing or is that a tom hanks thing when he's racing down to find her where he realizes that she's not there and he runs through the hallway and he presses one elevator button then he presses the other other elevator (laughs) button and he's sort of waiting which one's going to come first and then he runs (laughs) in it's just a great little bit of business that it's it's like to me it's like a quintessential Tom Hanks moment. I was going to say, mm-hmm. that's probably Tom Hanks's. bit. I would imagine that's Tom Hanks's bit, you know, because he's do he does all that kind of stuff in Bachelor Party. He does all the, I mean, yes, he's constantly yes. feeling yeah. bosom buddies with that kind of stuff. Um, and, and, you know, the, the ice skating scene, it's so, 
wonderfully uh, uh, ironic that they're on frozen water throughout mm. that whole scene. It's like the iciness of what has come over oh. them. You know, she's of the water, but they're on top of it. You see what I mean? Like it's all this sort of layers of, of, of that's why your mic is on a Hitchcock just, book and mine is on a star Wars blanket. You're, you have an elevated way of thinking. I never would have thought about that. Look at you, you fucking metaphorical finding goddamn genius. That's see? good. See? Yeah. How many? I said it before. It's a nine Sheila movie. No, go I'm gonna give nine. it a nine and a half. I don't know why I don't want to give it a ten, but I'm gonna give it a nine and a half. Gentlemen, I do this very rarely. Very rarely. This is reserved, reserved territory for me. For us, for a movie like Seven, movie like Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan. I don't even think I gave that a ten, but this movie. For me, Return of the Jedi is a 10. Back to the Future. Splarsh. Is that how you pronounce it? That is how, that's yeah. how you pronounce it. <laughs> Quorn, <laughs> is that how you pronounce it? Is a solid 10. Yay. No ifs, ands, Yay. Buts. And Bravo. we need to, I, I sing this all the time. And Kate does, and other, so I got to sing it now. Mr. Mango on my, my shoulder. shoulder. That's my sing favorite moment. That's my. That's yeah. the most iconic moment from the movie to me. I think of Splash, and I think I agree. of Mr. Mango on my shoulder. So good, so so good. Yeah, it's fantastic. All right, I'll go nine point five. I'll come up. Yeah, to four. do I'll it. Come up, come I'll come up. I'll come up a little higher. A little higher. It's terrific. Yeah, yeah. I, it's one of those movies I don't see any weaknesses. I don't see any. I, I can. I, John I just. Candy plays racquetball with a cigarette in his mouth. So great. Oh and a beer. He's so good. Yeah. And he's like, we've been playing for five minutes. It's hysterical. It's hysterical. So it makes me so laugh good. so much. I, uh, yeah, it you're right. If there's anything, the, the only, f even in the magic, you know, because so much gets explained with magic, right? There's not right. much that doesn't. You know, and yeah, yeah, parking outside, like you just said, like, <laughs> how can you just park outside? Sure, and but, but the minor. How did the. Right. The only one that's not really minor is how that fountain gets into his apartment. Yes, that's yeah. the only one. <laughs> that's the only one that's that. like, mm, there's, um, and I'm even thinking, I'm watching it and I'm like, I guess if they took it apart in sections and brought it in and there then, then ran How do you buy a fountain in a public park, park though? Exactly. And she how has do you get his credit card. hooked up to plumbing? She has, she his, has credit his credit card. card. Uh, but here's the th I meant to say this before, and I forgot. The, th the other thing that elevates this beyond uh, Harry Metzali or Hanny Hall, I don't, I, I watch those movies and laugh like a lunatic, yes, uh, but I don't cry. This movie, I cry. I laugh and I'm in tears. You know, and yeah. it, it, you, you it, make a really good point there. You know, Dan. I'm not a fan yeah. of Sleepless in Seattle, but I, I do. don't like I that cry at all. It, I cry it. Uh, I, uh, when Harry Met Sally moves me, this moves me. I yeah. did. I, I had tears with this. Yeah, too. I was in um, tears with the this. ending is very beautiful. Oh, my God. It's very beautiful. Gorgeous. Um, did you want to do a little like, uh, hey, everybody, uh, <laughs> like and subscribe and touch oh, it yeah, sure, and, and sure. do a little thing? Like, Tell your friends about us. We appreciate everyone listening to the podcast. Make sure you let people know. Go on the iTunes. Give us reviews. Uh, yeah. Download. Do whatever you got to do. What do you have to do with podcasts? I don't know. Just let people know. Let people know you enjoy opening us. weekend. Yeah. We, I keep hearing from people who are like, oh, yeah, I listen and listen, which is great. I, I think we have more listeners out there than I even realize. But I, I know we can. I know that the net can be cast wider, which brings us to our next film, <laughs> Splash. <laughs> 
thought you were going to say The Net with Sandra Bullock. <laughs> the Net. Stop, Sandra Bullock. <laughs> that would have been great. Um, no, the, uh, the, the thing they can do, though, if they have, if there's anybody out there listening who has not yet written a kind review, it's been a while since someone posted a review yeah, yeah. on the Itunes and yeah. uh, a five star, put a five stars and write a little, write a little, blur, you know, a paragraph, a short paragraph saying what you like, your likes and dislikes, maybe just your likes on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we don't need to hear maybe about just, your dislikes. No, we don't need to. But dislikes. share it far and wide. You can share. There's this thing called sharing on the oh, social media. Yeah. You can share I've heard it. that's caring. Know. Is it true? Sharing is caring. <laughs> yep. Sharing is caring. And caring oh, and corning and queening. Queefing. Karen, Sharon, um, thank you for joining us for another episode of Opening Weekend. Next time, we'll be traveling back to April 9th, 1993, and the 30th anniversary of the family baseball comedy, The Sandlot, and the Demi Moore, Robert Redford vehicle, Indecent Proposal. That is next time on Opening Weekend. And we may have some special guests on that episode <gasps> for the Sandlot. Really? Why? I Do you know my children? Possible. <gasps> oh, they love the Sandlot. Yay. We'll see. We'll talk. We'll talk. Oh, more. that'd be nice. Uh, Dan, what you got for us this week? Uh, I, I, there's the very creepy Children of the Corn theme, but I'm open <laughs> to suggestions for this week, gentles all, because I. Well, the only a, thing that comes to I my know. mind. Oh no no no! Is, I know two things. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say the one thing that comes to my mind is, but I don't know if you can do it anymore because it's been removed from our lexicon. Is Zippity Doodah? Because Mr. Mango and my show is from Zippity Doodah. He sings that. Flash opens with Wooly Bully. Oh, okay, great. That's great. Okay, let's do it. Let's do a little Wooly Wooly Bully, and then I'll end with the creepy overture from (laughs) Children of the Corn. Okay. Okay, let's see. And this is Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs, is it not? Yeah. Uh, One okay. and only. Let me turn it tune up. Bro. How's it go? Wait. Okay, wait, wait. Okay. Like that. you too, Malachi. <laughs> he who walks behind the blows. <laughs> oh, God. It's, it's a stretch, but go with it. It was There was a little corn that came out of it. <laughs> <laughs> was it corn or corn? Or corn? Corn? When the hell did I eat corn? <laughs> Malachi, when did I eat the corn? I eat the children of the corn. It's Hello Dolly, not Hello Malachi. You're fired. You ever hear that story? Where she yes. apparently, like, yes. the actor playing Barnaby, she was right. like, it's called Hello Jolly, not Hello Barnaby. You're fired. <laughs> fired. You're fired. Oh. I can't keep any of that. Or I'll keep all of it. Again, that's the theme of this episode. Keeping none of it or all of it. You'll find out. 
when you listen to this episode <laughs> of Opening Weekend. <laughs> oh, I'm going back to bed. The Opening Weekend podcast is produced by Jason O'Connell, Fred Berman, and Dan Matisa, with editing by Jason O'Connell and sound mixing by Fred Berman. Additional help and technical support provided by Ethan Duff. Thank you for listening. Thank you.